This is God's word. Please give it your careful attention. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Lord, thank you for the word. Lord, if you do not go before us, this is all in vain. But Lord, you have gone before us in the cross. And so, Lord, this is not what the world may look at. What we do here every Sunday might be folly, that we worship nothing, that we worship something that's foolish, that we put our hopes into things of our imagination so that we would have hope today. Lord, this is true. Because, Lord Jesus, you have come, and you have risen again from the dead. Lord, everything changes. So, Lord, help us to receive this word. And, Lord, there are those who are doubtful as they hear. Lord, there are those who are apathetic. There are those who do not want to be here, Lord, because our parents make us to come. Lord, we know it is not because we have the right heart that changes us. It is the Spirit of God. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as I shared in my intro, in my prayer, I, I, I'm sure that's kind of the temperament at times of why when we come out to church, I don't want to be here. My parents are really making me come here. Or I do want to be here. And we all have a different variety of spectrums when it comes to church. We hope and pray that All Stars and JG will continue to be a place where we welcome all kinds of people for wherever they are. We don't love you because of the person you're going to be, or the person you, we want you to be, we love you because God loves you for who you are. And for us pastors, that's in the very same way. That's what we want. We, we want to meet you where you are. Uh, a question that I think many of us may ask, I don't know if you do it with your friends, I think a question that many of, have, have, many of us have maybe thought of and imagined, if you were to die right now, where would you go? Heaven or hell? Take a few moments to think about that question. If you were to die right now, where would you go? heaven or hell. Uh, I'm sure as we, if we were to ever share out loud, some of us would be very unsure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I would go. And one of the many reasons, many times why we answer I don't know is because we look at our lives. We look at, have I been reading the Bible enough? Have I been praying enough? Have I been coming to church enough? Have I been doing good enough? But here's the response that the Christian, a sinner saved by grace, responds. I do not deserve to go to heaven. They don't look at their circumstance. They don't look at the way that they live their lives. Rather, they look at Christ. Because the truth of the gospel is this, that we don't, Jesus, didn't, Jesus Christ didn't just die for us, but Jesus Christ died as us. And because he died our death and he lives now the life that we're called to live, the Christian life is not based on how I live, but it's based on what Christ has done. And this is a gift And we're going to talk about that today as we go through our sermon series of 1 John. And it's been such a blessing. 
Uh, we, we, we're a little bit more than halfway through, and we've been in this sermon series because we want to strengthen our faith, our hope, and our love by knowing the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And today's text, again, revisits the Antichrist. Again, revisits, again, the topic of the Antichrist. And John, if you read the book of 1 John, he repeats certain themes over and over again, looking at different angles, looking at a different perspective so that he could convey his message. You know, sometimes when you hear uh, not just one preacher, but you hear different preachers, although we might be preaching the same thing, it's just preached in different ways. And I think that's why we're so blessed that we can have a variety of speakers to come and share God's word to all of us. And it really, God can use one person, God can use many people, but the fact that the variety of topics are shared in different ways, it really enlightens the mind and hopes, I hope and I pray that the Spirit would use so that we would get to know Christ. This time, this text is more practical when it comes to the Antichrist, giving us Christians practical applications to help us in our discernment and our approach to what is known as the Antichrist. In other words, what are the tools to help us Christians distinguish between true and false doctrine, true and false religion, true and false Christ? Uh, you can go back to, we have our sermons are on Spotify, so you can always go back to the other one. There, there are things that I'm not going to mention, so please go back to the other sermon to refer back to this as I talk about the Antichrist, like what is the Antichrist? The previous sermon addressed that. Today we'll be talking, moving forward. Verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. And the way that John starts off this passage and starts off this chapter, do not believe every spirit. And there's an underlying assumption that he's making there. Just as much as God is real, just as much the Holy Spirit and Christ, they are real, there's also another assumption that, we can, that he's making. Demonic forces are also just as real. Satan is just as real. Evil is just as real. And with that, what he's now saying is, be careful. Do not believe every spirit. That there is an actual spiritual warfare that is happening right here in this place on a daily basis. Later on, Peter, another apostle, shares this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And although these things are not visible to the eyes, they're certainly visible and working in the lives of people. The Bible does not shy in talking about Satan. It does not. The Bible is very straightforward and very upfront to his particular mission of what he's trying to do. He's trying to separate God from his people. He's trying to defy the church. He is a liar. He is an accuser. He is a schemer, as you see as the Bible portrays. And the primary way that we get to see, especially when we read 1 John, the primary way, one of the primary ways that Satan and these false spirits work is that they produce false prophets with false teaching. This is one of their strategies in order to divide and, mit, and really lead God's people astray. Later on in 2 Peter again, uh, he, says, uh, he shares this passage. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will, there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. 
And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. In other words, one of the ways that he, the Satan uses his, uh, and, and the kingdom of darkness uses uh, their strategy, as much as there's the invisible, what the, in, in the visible aspect of it is that they're training and or really building up people, particularly the teachers, to share false doctrine, false heresy, or heresy, and leading people astray in those ways, and they're getting to the very senses of the human being in order to lead us astray. We're going to talk a bit more about that. In other words, just because a church uses the word Christian, just because a pastor comes up here and uses the word God and Jesus and says all the right things, that should not, we should not let our guards down. When it comes to false doctrine, one of the best effective ways is the Trojan horse method. Do you guys know the Trojan horse method? Right? If you know the Greek mythology, the story, you first disguise yourself and you, you, you penetrate through. This is one of the effective ways in order to lead people astray. This is why later in Paul, he shares uh, in 2 Corinthians, for such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles and of Christ. And then verse 14, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so what really, what he's sharing, first, uh, what John is sharing in the first, very first verse is be careful, be discernful. Don't just take everything for what it is. Just because it sounds right, we must be careful. Satan is a schemer. He knows what he's doing. And if you really think about Satan and the way that he works, he doesn't care if people deny him. He doesn't care about that. The fact that people deny Satan only sells more of his message. So here, here, here's, here's what I'm saying. Imagine you're walking in the street and then someone, you, you, see a, you see someone who's evangelizing or preaching in the street and imagine this person says, you, know, you don't know whether or not they're Christian or not, and this person says, Satan, we should love Satan. You'll be like, okay, that person's crazy. You just walk right by. But if the person is sharing Satan is our enemy, that draws us because now, oh, there's something in common that we have. But sometimes some of these preachers that we call preachers, they're really not. They have a different strategy. They use commonalities, horizontal commonalities, in order to draw people in to their message. And that's one of the ways that they work. And I don't know if you guys know, in the beginning of COVID, there was a group called the Shincheonji Group. I don't know if you guys heard these people, but this is one of the reasons why COVID kind of exploded in Korea. Well, the Shincheonji Group, they're kind of like, a, they're like the ninjas of the, the they're cults. Like they infiltrate the church by disguising themselves as Christian. They become church members. They are like de- they become deacons if they can get far enough, or even elders. And what they do is, after they become well invested into the community, and then people know them. Wow, they're a really great person. They're so giving, and they're so sacrificial, and they're they're giving. And then they start to divide the church by sharing gossip, by dividing people, uh, really by attacking the char- the character of the pastors, for example, attacking the character of the church. And then eventually they'll say, you know what? I know another church. They're better. And then because they're speaking into the anger and the disappointment of the people, some people genuinely get, okay, I'll follow you. And that's how people are led astray. It's very unfortunate. The outright denial of Satan does not bother him if the end goal is to draw people away to deny Jesus. That is the heart of Satan. And this is why everything must be tested. Everything must be tested. Uh, One day, our brothers here, you will get down on one knee to ask the woman in front of you for marriage. And then, women, sisters, you're going to look at that diamond ring and you're going to be like, hmm, I did pretty good. <laughs> but then, here's what you do. How do you know if that diamond is real? 
How do you know if that diamond is fake? And so here's a test. I looked it up on Google. Really quick test. You just blow on it with your hot breath, and uh, if it fogs for more than three seconds, it's fake. It's fake. And imagine, our sisters here, imagine the fiancé of your, you know, that you're going to try to commit your life to gave you a fake diamond. <gasps> and you find out it's like a pebble that's just really bright and shiny. We need to test everything. Test everything. And the way that we test everything is with God's word. We have what we measure. Every truth, every principle, every, every word that anyone shares must be tested with scripture. This is the final test. This is the absolute test. And everything that's shared, even my sermon, even my sermon, even every pastor who comes up here must confess, we confess, that we do not stand above this. We cannot add or remove from this. We are under the authority of of scripture. And if there is anything that I share that is against this, I pray and I hope that if I were to be accused of that or, or someone were to tell me and confront me, I pray that I would respond in repentance because this is God's word. I do not speak above God's word, but rather I want to speak the words of God. And so every, everything must be tested by God. Here's another thing you cannot trust. You cannot trust your experiences. We cannot trust our experiences. We cannot. Our experiences at times are very faulty. They're not things that we can trust. While experiences are helpful, they are. They are very, God has gifted us with experience, but experience cannot be trusted ultimately. They're helpful, but they're not foundational. Same with feelings. Feelings, uh, many times we are really driven by our feelings, but if you really honestly look at your life, many times your feelings have led us, led us astray. We are not a people of experience. We are not a people of feeling. What faith really boils down to is that we are a people of God's word. And this is the word that we trust and believe. And my prayer and goal, and I know as, as younger, you know, you guys trust me and I trust all of you, and you all take my words wholesale. And I praise God for that. That's not to say that you should always be skeptical about the guy who's standing up on stage and, and sharing God's word. But my heart as a pastor and our heart as a ministry is that you would be equipped so that when you leave our ministries, you would know and distinguish and discern whether or not words are to be received as God's words or whether they are to be rebuked. In Ephesians 4.12, that is really the heart of what Paul says about what ministry is, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that... We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. In other words, what I'm really saying is we want you to love the word and know the word. Kevin DeYoung says it in this way. He, um, uh, one of the ways that Satan works, that, remember, Satan is a liar, and his greatest strategy is to attack the word. Uh, he wants you to love the world and ignore the word. In a recent survey to American teenagers, when asked about the Christian faith, about the important doctrines of Christianity, they, this is how majority of teenagers, American teenagers, responded in, in, in terms of what Christian doctrine is. And I love this response, but I'm sad for this response. Whatever. A shrug and whatever. That is right now, um, and many times, the climate and our approach and our, uh, really our attitude towards the things of God. You know, and I'm not trying to rebuke us in any sense. You know, there's, 
personally I'm thinking of as well as a leader, what can I do to help us better love God's word? What is it that God's word is not connecting to his people? And these are questions, even in myself, I am rebuking and trying to discern and ask. That's my prayer for all of you, to, that you would love the word. The fact, that, the fact and the truth of the fact that m- many of us are not engaging with the word, it's only really uh, setting us up and setting up the church to be led astray when those antichrists or those times of division come. But we want to watch ourselves, as Luke 21 says, because there are not just, there are so many distractions. We, we live in a world of complete distractions, and Luke 21, 34 says this, Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day comes upon you suddenly like a trap. For all stars in GG, what our heart and our primary mission and our goal is so that you would know the word, and not just so that we would build up scholars, but that we would build up worshipers, that you would worship God, know the word, and that you would really fall in love with him. And within there, too, one of the things that we welcome are doubtful questions or doubtful hearts. We want you to ask those questions now. We want you to, there are no stupid questions. One of the things that we've done in our retreat was, uh, our, this past summer retreat, was we had a Q&A session. And I think for the most part, many of, the, many of us who are part of that, that really spoke to our hearts because there were certain questions that we had but we never really addressed or we never understood or processed. And so one of the things that we want to do, I think we'll start next week, uh, one of the things that we want to do is you all ask questions and you can email questions and uh, like, we'll see how many questions we get but right after service, we want to spend maybe 15 to 30 minutes depending on how many questions we have by answering some of the questions that many of you are dealing with, questions that you might be wrestling with, questions that a non-Christian might be asking you and we want to invite that so that we would build and process together. And, you know, really, ultimately, there are things that Pastor David, Pastor John, myself, we don't know. We're still processing too, and that's okay. This is where we can walk together. We're not perfect in our knowledge. We need one another. We help each other. There are many times that Pastor David has poured into my life, and same with Pastor John, and I hope vice versa, because it's not about us. It's the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to continue to work within the church to build his people up. Amen. And that's where really our heart. That's really our goal. And you know, when I look at all of you, uh, when you guys will eventually become future moms and dads. Uh, you guys will be in the workplace, in different places, in a variety of places. And our goal and our heart is that we would send off Christian moms, Christian dads, Christian workers to extend God's kingdom and the mission that the world needs to hear his name. That is our heart. That is our heart. And so this is really what we are looking uh, for us, uh, where we're being built by the Spirit. And you know, it might, it might not feel like much, like I don't know as much Bible, but you actually do, I would argue. Many of us really do know a lot of God's Word, and uh, we really do know much more than we would think. As I shared last time, it's like we're, we have a knife, but we don't know how f- sharp it is because we've just been cutting jello all the time. But we have a certain... Uh, uh, caliber because if you know god that's what it's all about what is another test then okay so how do we test what is a way that we can discern between false teachers and false anti or or, or antichrist what is the way look at verse two and three 
By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. I love John because John is so simple. He doesn't complicate things. And I think what John, I I believe, the heart of John, is one of clarity. He's just trying to be clear and very simple. And he's, he's trying to speak to children. That's why he uses the word little children quite often. And so what he's saying is, this is really simple to understand. We don't need to over-exaggerate it. We don't need to look at it in a different angle. It's just very simple. Those who confess Jesus as Lord, they are from the Spirit of God. That's it. And those who do not, they are the Antichrist. And so those who confess Jesus as Lord, not just as a teacher, not just as an example, not just as a prophet, not a life coach, but Jesus as Lord. And what does that mean? What does that mean? We use that word quite a lot. And I hope I can... Uh, put some weight into this. You know, the Bible, the more you read the Bible, how do you define sin? Think about this for a moment. How many of you define, what do you, how do you define sin? What is, when I say sinner, what comes up in your mind? Oh, those who uh, smoke, those who steal, those who do bad things, right? These are, I'm sure that's maybe some of the people that we think of in our minds when we think about sinner, how many of us are thinking of Mahatma Gandhi, for example, when we think about sinner? You know, when I, I, when, when in my college days, I spoke with a pharmacist, and he was, in, he was an Indian man, and I, that's what I told him. I said, you know, Mahatma Gandhi is in hell. He laughed at my face. He said, you're telling me the most moral of men who have ever walked on this earth is in hell? And I said, absolutely, yes. He laughed me off. Because it's not those who live a good life that go to heaven. It's those who recognize their brokenness. You could live an immoral life. You could live a moral life apart from Christ. And those, whether you're immoral, whether you're moral, as the Bible teaches, you are to go to hell. The Bible shows us that we are deeply broken. It's not just, you know, even for me, as I think about the way that I've changed my language, it's not just that we're deeply bad, because I think we talk about how that we live then. No, we're deeply broken. We're not living the way that God intended us to live, to live for him, to live to his glory, to recognize him as Lord and Savior, to recognize him as God. But rather, we're broken. We don't. We replace really good things. We, God has gifted us with great things. But the problem of sin is that we make those good things and gr- gift things into great, like, God things. And that is really the fall of sin. Martin Luther says it in this way. The sin underneath all of our sins, the sin, if you look at underneath all of our sin, is to trust the lie of the serpent, that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and must take matters into our own hands. Here's what the gospel is. We've turned away from God. We try to live a life apart from God, whether it is moral or immoral. The Bible does not categorize people into good people and bad people. And the good people, they go to heaven. The bad people, they go to hell. There's only one category when when it talks about morality, good people versus bad people. It's all one category, broken people. That is the true biblical category of all people, broken people, people who are broken. And what do you do with things that are broken? You throw it out. You throw it out. Yet, God, in his graciousness, looks at broken things and says, I'm going to redeem that which is broken. I'm going to redeem and fix and help those who can't, who can't save themselves, who can't help themselves, who can't live 
a life worthy that I call good. And this is what the gospel is. The Bible does not divide between good people versus bad people, but really the true biblical category is that God divide, the Bible divides people into humble people and proud people. You know, when you hear that news, I am a broken person, how do you receive that? You receive that proudly? No, I'm not. I'm not broken. No, I can do things on my own. I can live my life. I can, I can, I can, I can prove to everybody that I'm not like that. Or will you be humble about it? I am broken. I am. And I desperately need help. I desperately need help. Humble people who recognize their brokenness and their sin, they cry out for a solution. They cry out for help. God, I am in desperate need of your help. God, I am in desperate need of your help. You know, this is one of the most honest prayers that you can pray daily, daily. God, I am in desperate need of your help today, tomorrow, next week. For the rest of my life, I am in desperate need of your help. And here's the second uh, prayer to that. Please let your help come my way. Please, God, help. Please send your help. And then here's the response that the Bible shares. The, the help has come. Jesus has already come. And he responds to you by dying on the cross and says, hey, I have not just died for you, I died as you. I, all your brokenness, I died as that broken person. All of the issues that we all wrestle with, all of this independent life that we try to live from God, I've died in that. I've died as you. And now you live as me. That is the gift. And when the, when the sinner hears this news, it is so good. Do you realize I've been set free? I've been saved. I have a new life. And the Christian is filled with such joy. They're filled with such gratitude and they're led to worship because they recognize and they realize Jesus is literally the only way. He is literally the only way. Because of him, he has loved me in my brokenness. Because while the Bible says this, that we are deeply broken, God responds and you're deeply loved. He shows that to us by his son. And I hope we can hear that news. This is what the gospel is. Jesus is not just this example. Jesus is not just a teacher. If we make Jesus into a teacher and we make all these teachings as beautiful as Jesus' teachings are, it's not enough. Because when you learn about these teachings, I dare all of you, go look at all of his teachings. And what you'll realize, try to follow it in a week completely. Try to live that life perfectly. You're going to realize one thing. I suck. I horribly, royally suck. I cannot follow this word for some reason. Why can't I? My mind says this is great, but my body says otherwise. Why? What can free me from this? Christ. Because he's now showing you and real, show, showing to you, showing to us, this is why you need a savior. This is why you cannot save yourself. The help has come. The only help has come. Jesus Christ. And for the Christian, for the church, this is our main confession always. So the question, really, when we boil it down, do we know Jesus or do we need Jesus? Knowing Jesus is not enough. You can know Jesus. You know, Satan can have one of the greatest Bible studies you will ever hear, ever hear. But the difference between Satan and us is that Satan does not need Jesus. He doesn't need him. Christians need him. They need him. Their life depends on him. 
And so that's why faith is not just a profession of faith. You don't just confess, you know, when, when we say, when you, you know, declare that you have faith in Jesus, it's not just like you're saying these magic words and all of a sudden this magical thing happens and now God remembers that you said that and so he will, now you're in heaven. No, it's not that. It's when you profess, you're trying, you're, you're professing something that's happening inside your heart and you're, what your heart is saying is, I possess Christ. This is literally, he is literally the only help that I have and my heart is just going to grab onto him. And you live a life that reflects what you're professing. This is true faith. That your, your faith is followed up with action. It's followed up with life. It's followed up with fruit. That is what the gospel is. Anyone who says otherwise is the antichrist. Anyone who says Jesus is not just a savior, but he's this, he's that, he's someone that you could use to revolutionize your country, Jesus is someone that you can use to talk about how we, we, we must be more inclusive and intolerant than ever before. No, that's not. Yes, while parts of that, there's aspects of Jesus' ministry where he shows that, but Jesus is more than just that. I don't just need an example. I don't need a philosopher. I need a God who can save me from himself, and that's Christ. And this is the difference between, this is what cheap grace is. You know, we can really cheapen grace. Cheap grace, cheap grace says God loves everybody and forgives everybody. So live your life however you want to. You're free to do anything that you want because God loves you and he'll forgive you for everything. The other side of cheap grace says this. God loves you because you live a disciplined life. You follow and obey God's law perfectly. And if the more you obey God's law, God will show you more of his grace. Both of these things are cheap grace. Both of these messages are not Christian. They are very anti-Christian. This is the Trojan horse. You know, when, when Hitler and the Nazis were um, uh, killing many, many people, those who said the cheap grace that God loves everybody and forgives everybody, they didn't stand up against Hitler and the Nazis because of their relativism, because they, you know, God's going to forgive them, God's going to love them, God's going to continue. So they didn't do anything. They were so passive. Those who are on the other side of discipline and obedience and like, you know, you're loved more by, by obeying more of God's law, they joined in this movement. And they've, if anything, they've became a part of it and supported Hitler's, uh, really, regime. A costly grace. Costly grace reminds us that God's sacrifice was not free, but it came with a cost, and that was the cost of his son. It's healthy for Christians, for us Christians, to think about hell because cheap grace doesn't focus on the badness of people, but costly grace shows us the price Jesus needed to pay. The more you focus on what Jesus had to do and the price he had to pay, it changes everything. The Bible is not about us. It's about Christ. It's about God. And so this is what he shares. John, anyone or anything that confesses Jesus as otherwise, not Lord, not King, not God, but some other thing, that is the Antichrist. And Jesus actually shares a bit more too in, in, in his ministry. Not only can we discern Antichrist by their words, we can also discern Antichrist by the way that they live their lives. Because some Antichrists might actually share the right things. They can. But the way that we can know is by the way that they live their lives. You will recognize them by their fruits. That's what he's saying. You know, an apple tree, if it starts bearing peach, you're like, okay, this is not a true apple tree then. What is this? This is a peach tree. And so when there's a person who's claiming and teaching Christ, but he's not producing the things of Christ, that is a red flag, ultimate red flag. 
What are they producing? In a genuine Christian, sinner saved by grace, they will produce, and it's Galatians 2, 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit in their life. You'll see it. You'll see it. Here's, here, here's an example. Let's say, me, I was using myself as an example. Let's say um, someone wrongs me, and then Pastor David comes up to me and says, hey, if you know you're saved by Christ, you should forgive that person. But I refuse. I refuse to. Ref- I refuse to forgive. And you would think, how can a pastor not forgive? And not just that. How can a Christian not forgive? And I think one of the ways that we think, we you know, it, it, it should really lead us to think whether that person is saved or not. See, a person. It's not. It's not a person is not a true Christian because he or she does not forgive people, but rather. He or she who does not forgive people must not be a Christian then. And it's something that for us to really think and to consider. We're not, we as God's people must produce fruit. The reason why I'm not forgiving, it doesn't mean that I'm not Christian, but rather maybe I wasn't Christian to begin with. We need to be equipped. When you read Ephesians chapter 6, Paul spoke about the armor of God. Because for us Christians, there is a spiritual, genuine warfare. And there is spiritual, and the Antichrist is at work leading Christians astray and keeping others in the darkness. And if you read the description of the armor, everything is defensive. Breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. But there's one weapon that we have. Do you know what that one weapon is? The word of God, the sword. And not just the word of God, but supplemented with prayer. I love that when Paul adds that, supplemented with prayer. Because it's not just a word that you use, but it's a word that you pray over. And when, you, when, you, when, when he says you're praying over it, that means you're depending on it. That this is your prayer. Your heart is just seeking for this word too. And so we're not just using the word, but we're being used by the word. That is true spiritual warfare. When you know the word and it's becoming your prayer, and so one of the things that I would really uh, encourage all of us, you know, when we're, if we're struggling to pray, and we don't know how to pray or there are things that we're running out of, pray scripture. Pray, pray scripture. Take time. And I think there's a podcast that uh, helps you pray scripture. I think David Platt, uh, like every five, uh, five minutes every day, he helps you pray scripture. He teaches us, helps you. And that's great. You know, there's so many resources that helps us all around so that we would be more equipped and that there is one weapon that we have, which is the word, not our experience again, not our experience at retreat, not our, not our feelings, but rather the word of God that is supplemented with prayer. You know, one of, one of the things that I, I know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I speak for Pastor John, one of the things that we love to hear is, hey, I want to grow as a Christian. What can I read? That lights up our hearts. That really lights up our hearts. And not to judge us or anything that we're not doing that, but we want you all to grow and to love and to learn about what it means to be Christian. And we have so many resources that we would love to give you. There's so many books that have helped me, people who have poured their life into these books, and those books have poured into my heart and into my life, and I've grown through those books. You know, one of the ways that Pastor David grown, has grown, um, you know, he just really genuinely just sat down in front of the computer, looked up things, and it helped him grow in his faith. There's so many resources all around. We are in the I don't think there's been more resources than ever in the history of Christianity. And yet, and yet, we're the, it feels like we're the most ill-equipped when it comes to Christianity, to the faith, because there are a lot of distractions that are just pulling us away. Let's really help us 
especially when we understand what is going around us, we need to be equipped. We need to know the kind of sword that we have, which is the word of God. And so, again, I need to emphasize this point one, one more time too, as I shared last time. Just because someone says to you, like your Muslim friend at school, and they, you know, they deny Jesus as this passage is saying, don't call them the Antichrist. That's not, again, that is not the point. They're most likely teachers. They're people of influence. And they're deliberately knowing what they're doing. Your friends at school that are not Christian, they are not the enemy. They are the mission field. We need to pray for them. We need to share them a greater story, which is the gospel. And so please, in no sense are we, uh, are we saying that you should go out to these walls and t- accuse people of being the antichrist. No, 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 never, 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 never. We want you to continue to pray and be salt and light of this world. Finally, verse 4 and 5 and 6. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Again, very simple what he shares. If there are people, if the world uh, constantly just agrees with a preacher, for example, that, sh- that should be a red flag, uh, or like, like a, a, a soft orange flag. Like, hmm, why does the world continue to agree with him? And the church is disagreeing with him. That should be a red flag. And it's very simple what John's sharing there. If they're of the world, they'll speak of the world, and the world will agree with them. You know, our message that we share about Christianity, about the gospel, the, when we share it, the world is going to reject it because this is not their message. This is not the message that they want to hear. And so in every sense, if they reject you, they reject, you know, I'm, one of the things that I did with our, our All-Stars and JG throughout the years, we went to like New York and a variety of places to do street evangelism and pray. And, you know, especially for our students um, who've, who've, who've done that before, it's, it's difficult because people will straight up reject you. There's one woman who, like, cursed our group out. She was, like, using a lot of bad words to us um, and uh, calling us, like, the devils and such. And it's very discouraging to hear that. But they're not, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the word because they're of the world and they're blind and there's darkness that covers them. We want to continue sharing the things of God. The things of God are going to be rejected in the beginning. Your friends are not going to receive this message immediately. But it's okay. Share. Continue to live your life. Don't be confirmed whether or not the world is accepting you, but be confirmed because Jesus accepted you, because you're living within a community that continues to build you up and edify you and encourage you in the word. And this is why it's so important to be a part of a community. You know, online church, as great as the technology is that we can have had COVID ministry on our computers and on our phones, we need to gather as God's people. It's things like that. You know, when we share, of, you know, when we share things of God and we're affirming one another, that does wonders because the Spirit is at work constantly unifying us. But if we don't have that, the body is going to weaken and it's going to get hurt. This is why we need to meet. This is why um, one of the prayers that we have for our next year as our school year is starting up, we need to focus and meet together in person to, so that we would really know the mission of God. And I'm, I'm not here to uh, shame those who are on, taking online worship at all. I, there are circumstances and situations that prevent us from meeting in person. And we must be careful, for sure, for sure. Eventually, when things get safe, we need to congregate together as God's people. God's people, were, they were meant to congregate together. And this is our heart and our prayer. Uh, and, and, and all of this, I think one thing that we can be like afraid of is like, oh my gosh, 
Is the Antichrist like, once I walk through these doors, it's gonna like, he's going to like snatch me? And there are two responses that we can have. C.S. Lewis says, offers these two responses when it comes to the Antichrist, to the devil. We can underestimate it or we can overestimate it. We can, if we underestimate the devil, if we under, underestimate the Antichrist, we become very vulnerable. But if we, when we overestimate the devil, when we overestimate uh, the Antichrist, we become way too afraid and we, we don't do anything. What do we do then? What can we do? And look at what he says here. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And here's the response that John gives, and I love it. Know Jesus. That's it. That's all you need to know. You don't need to focus on the enemy. You just need to focus on Jesus. That's all you need to do. And here's a really great example. You know, when David and Goliath, when Goliath was in front of Israel and he was taunting them and he was this great enemy, right? The reason why Saul, Saul was supposed to the one who's to go up and fight against Goliath, but he he didn't because he kept looking at Goliath. Goliath was his focus. And so because he saw the armor that Goliath had, as the Bible really descriptively shares, he was way too afraid. He, he couldn't move. He, could, he wouldn't budge. He was too afraid to even speak out and speak against him. The answer also wasn't to ignore Goliath because there's a, there's a war. And someone must fight the war. What must he do? If anything, Goliath was, you know, was, was really, um, well, what did David do? David, while he was aware of Goliath, that wasn't his main focus. If anything, Goliath was in his periphery, in his side view mirror. Who was the main focus of David? It was God. And the reason why Israel got more courage was because someone fought their battle for them and they won for them. Here's the news that we can have. We have someone who is greater than David. We have Jesus who defeated death itself. When death and sin was at our doorstep, we freeze. We freeze because we can't do anything about it. But Jesus Christ stands up in our place. And this is why we can have courage, because someone fought the battle for us. Someone who has over, already overcome is in us. And so it's not just the fact that Antichrist and the devil, they're so great at their work and the great at their power. We have a greater God, you see. The more we understand who God is, the more we can overcome them. So here are some application points. Go back to the basics. You know, um, Pastor Sam, I don't know enough. You know, I'm sure many of us have memorized the Apostles' Creed. That's enough. That's actually quite a lot that we confess together every week, uh, the things that we confess. If you remember each word and each phrase that we share, that's a lot because be, there will be churches or ministries that you might uh, come across that they don't agree completely with the Apostles' Creed. That's when you know, okay, so this is not a church that believes that Jesus is Lord. There's something else going on here, and I, I should most likely steer clear from them. Uh, so go back to the basics. Unite together as God's people, as I shared. Be discerning. Uh, just because a website says they're Christian and they're, you know, they're, they, say, they say that they're things of God, be careful again. This is where you can ask us pastors, uh, is this website safe? Is this video safe? Is this TikTok safe? Don't just trust everything because they use, use those words. Ask us. And we'll, we'll, we'll watch it, we'll look at it, and then we'll tell you. And this is where we can do discernment together. And hopefully through that, you might be able to pick up on why we distinguish things that are false and things that are true. Read the word. Again, this is a, a very practical thing that I'm sure we hear all the time, but also pray. Pray for us pastors. You know, we are here as shepherds to protect the sheep. Um, if anything, uh, we are to focus more on, as we focus on Christ, we're also focusing on the ways that the Antichrist and the world is working against the church. And this is why pastors are called to know and discern such things. 
and to really keep, uh, wake us up in those ways and guide us in those ways. And so please pray for pastors that we would be men of the word, that we would really stand under the word. And, ul- and ultimately, the last thing I'll share is that you love Jesus. Everybody love Jesus. Know Jesus. The more you love Jesus, the more you know him. Don't focus on the antichrist because that's the point of him. He just wants you to focus on him by being confusing and vague and ambiguous. Focus on what is clear, Christ. Just focus on Christ. And the more you know Christ, everything else will just be in your side view mirror and you don't need to focus on those things. You just need to focus on him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. And God, we pray while we are deeply broken, God, we are deeply loved. And this is why we confess, Christians confess, sinners saved by grace confess, children of God confess. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is not just some teacher, some religious example, teacher, philosopher, Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, we pray that as we hear this message, Lord, I trust you now. Lord, I trust that you will work in the hearts of those who are here in this room. God, I trust that you will work in my heart to know who Jesus is deeper. Because, Lord, we need this truth. And that we would confess that Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh, is from God. And so, Lord, we pray, help us to understand Help us to realize that you have overcome and that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Many times we look at what's happening in this world. We look at what, what, what's happening in our, in, in our time and into the church. We get so afraid. We get worried. Lord, help us to have a true vision and perspective of you. You are God. There is no one above you. There is no one before you. You are the Alpha and the Omega. Bible shows us time and time again, people have tried to overcome your plan, your purpose, but they've all failed because you are God. And Lord, we have a relationship, a personal, corporate relationship with that God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, help us to be confident, not because there's something inherently within us. We don't look at us and our confidence, but rather, something that has been given to us, which is your son. Help us to draw confidence in there that we would confess together, Jesus is Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we all rise and stand as we respond in praise and worship and make that our confession, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my King.